preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John announced how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. How he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. We are witnesses to all that he did, both in Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on the tree. But God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear, not to all but to us, who were chosen by God as witnesses, and who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in forgiveness of sins through his name. Hear me, hear
was when Jesus left, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciples set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Who are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me. I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. The Gospel of the Lord. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. You can't go five minutes these days without hearing the terms fake news and alternative facts. It doesn't matter what your politics are, these experiences 
expressions appear all the time now in news stories, opinion pieces, social media, talk radio. Though these expressions are new to our public discourse, they point to a question that's as old as the hills. In fact, there's an old, old story that goes back to the Roman Empire of a young man who was tried by the Roman authorities for treason, a very serious offense, then and now. The man testified at his trial, but strangely offered no defense of his actions. This confounded the judge, who didn't know what to believe. Finally, the judge asked the man a question that has echoed down the ages. What is truth? What is truth? The young man, of course, is Jesus Christ, and his judge was Pontius Pilate. We are here this morning because of that story and what happened next. Jesus was tried and executed by the Roman authorities for treason. And then, according to the reading from John's Gospel we just heard, three days after he was killed, Jesus was alive again and appeared to a woman named Mary Magdalene. Is it true? Or is John's story just a very old example of fake news? What is truth? All the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, were written 2,000 years ago. Can something that old be true? If we're honest, we have to admit that we have an implicit bias for what is new. When we consider our state-of-the-art technology, our sophisticated communication, our contemporary culture, it's easy to think that people who lived 2,000 years ago were ignorant, gullible, unsophisticated, and unenlightened, capable of writing only things. Of course, we think that people who lived in the 1950s were unsophisticated and unenlightened, but never mind. So I think of Alan Griffiths. Griffiths was an Englishman whose life spanned most of the 20th century. Educated at Oxford, he was a brilliant scholar, steeped in classical literature, English literature, philosophy, mythology, and poetry. Griffiths came of age just after World War I. Like so many of his peers, he was profoundly disillusioned by government, by industrialism, by war. And he was deeply skeptical of Christianity. He had been indifferent to religion as a child, and as a young man, he accepted the view, fashionable at that time, that Christianity was just another irrelevant institution. In fact, when he learned that the account of Jesus' resurrection was told differently in each of the four Gospels, he said it confirmed his skepticism of Christianity. Yet Griffith's searching intellect eventually 
to read the Bible for himself. He began to read it, he said, for its literary interest, and he was not disappointed in that regard. And yet, when he read the Gospels for himself, he was not prepared for what he discovered. He wrote, When I came to compare the different accounts of the resurrection, I was not troubled by the apparent discrepancies. Here were distinct accounts of the same event, all with the same quality of actuality, depending on the evidence of eyewitnesses, differing in detail and in point of view, and yet all clearly bearing witness to the same fact. There was no harmonization, no smoothing out of differences. The stories were left to speak for themselves by their candor and originality. Always I came back to this overwhelming impression of truthfulness, that quality of truth which I sought in all literature and which I had learned to recognize by the beauty, the rightness, of his expression. That's one man's opinion, perhaps, and yet this is a man who truly knew the difference between fact and fable. And Griffiths is not unlike you and me. Like him, we live in a time of disillusionment and distrust of institutions, a time of war, and threats of war, a time of skepticism, a time of deep cynicism. That's the background against which we hear the gospel story of Jesus' resurrection. Our times, no less than Griffiths, raise that sharp question, what is truth? If we bring that question to the gospel reading this morning, we notice that John does something you don't expect. If this were a fable, or a myth, or fake news, the characters in John's story would have encountered the empty tomb full of faith, without a shred of doubt or confusion. These characters, Mary Magdalene, Peter, and another disciple, were Jesus' closest friends. Surely, they would be portrayed as paragons of faith, fully enlightened about what they found when they came to Jesus' tomb. But what does John tell us? When Mary comes to the tomb, she sees that the stone that sealed the tomb shut had been removed. She runs back to the other disciples and says, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. Mary comes to the tomb, expecting to see nothing other than Jesus' dead body. And even seeing that the stone has mysteriously been removed from the tomb, all she can think of is that someone moved his body. She's not expecting a resurrection. She's not expecting to see Jesus alive again. It's only after she mistakes Jesus for the gardener she knows what happened, and she tells the disciples, I have seen the Lord. 
and then there's Simon Peter and the other disciple. John says that after Mary tells them about the stone being moved, Simon Peter and the other disciple run to the tomb. They look inside the tomb. They see the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' body, but they don't see Jesus. John says that the other disciple believed when he saw all this. But even after seeing and believing, John writes that the disciples returned to their homes as if nothing had happened. Jesus' tomb is empty when his disciples believed, and then they just go home. They don't know what to do with all of this. John didn't obscure the confusion and doubt and emerging faith with which the disciples greeted the empty tomb. John didn't dress up the disciples with smooth theological statements and profoundly insightful responses to Jesus' resurrection. Whatever this is, this is not fake news. John isn't interested in making up a nice story. John is interested in the truth, which is almost too wonderful to bear. Because if Jesus rose from the dead, that changes everything. If Jesus rose from the dead, then he is who he said he is, the Son of God, the light of the world, the bread of life, the resurrection and the life. But there's more than that. If John's story is true, if Jesus rose from the dead, then all those things Jesus taught us, you are the light of the world. The kingdom of God is within you. Ask, and it will be given you. Those who want to save their life will lose it, but those who lose their life for my sake will find it. Whoever wishes to be great among you must be your servant. Love one another as I have loved you. In the world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. All these things that Jesus said and more are not inspirational quotes spoken by a nice man a long time ago. If Jesus was raised from the dead, then his words are spirit and life. They are truth. They change everything. They open up reality to us. They allow us to see into the heart of life. They declare our dignity. They proclaim our purpose. They summon us to service. They invite us to know and be known by God. Perhaps you're thinking, of course the preacher would say that. Here we are in a church, and that's what the church wants me to believe. That's the party line. Well, here we are in a church in Concord, where we breathe the air of Eversonian self-reliance. 
ashamed to think how easily we capitulate to badges and names, to large societies and dead institutions. Is the church merely a large society, or worse, a dead institution that expects us to believe what we're told? If so, then let's go home right now and have Easter dinner a bit early, because a dead institution is incapable of conveying a living truth. Actually, it's worse than that. If the church is a dead institution, then all of us, all of us, is just a big body, and we're fools for ever setting foot in this place. Is the church a dead institution? Or is the church, at its heart, those people who have heard Mary Magdalene's astonishing report, I have seen the Lord, and come to believe her witness? Is the church those people who seek the truth, and, like Alan Griffiths, have found it in the beauty and rightness of its gospel expression? Founded in the bold, conflicting, unvarnished stories of Jesus' resurrection from the dead. Is the church those people who gather each week to pray in Jesus' name, to listen to his words, to receive him in the Eucharist, and to be strengthened for his service? If that's what the church is, then the resurrection of Jesus, which is not verifiable, is visible. It is visible and meant to be visible in the lives of his disciples, in whom Jesus is alive and active. If any of this intrigues you, if you're wondering what to believe, or whether you can believe, if you're all dressed up on the outside, but barely holding it together on the inside, or if you're simply curious about what's going on here, then I invite you to come back next Sunday. Come back and spend one hour here listening for what God has to say to you. Because in curiosity, and doubt and distress, God sees an opening for conversation. I want to mention Alan Griffiths once more. He referred to his experience of reading the Bible as the beginning of faith. He kept on reading, and he began to pray, and he began to go to church. And it's a long story, but eventually he became a Benedictine monk, offering his heart and soul and brilliant mind to the God he met in Jesus Christ. Upon becoming a monk, Alan took the name B. His spirituality grew deep and broad, and Bede Griffiths wrote several books about his spiritual journey as a mystic. 
Each person's spiritual journey is unique to him or her. By returning here next Sunday, you probably won't end up someday wearing the robes of a Benedictine monk. But you never know. <laughs> but like thee, like countless men and women through the ages, like those who call Trinity Church home, you will find in Jesus your dignity and your purpose. You will find in Jesus a call to service and an invitation to know and love God. What is truth? Perhaps the question is, who is truth? It is Jesus. Come and see what there is to see. We have no fake news to offer you, no alternative facts, only the truth.
Hasten, O Lord, the coming of your kingdom, and grant that we, your servants who now live by faith, may with joy behold your Son at his coming in glorious majesty. Through Jesus Christ, our only mediator and advocate. Amen.
of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. For he is the true Paschal Lamb, who was sacrificed for us and has taken away the sin of the world. By his death he has destroyed death, and by his rising to life again he has won for us everlasting life. Therefore we praise you, joining our voices with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven who forever sing this hymn to proclaim the glory of your name. Thank you. 
the gifts of God for the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on him in your hearts by faith and thanksgiving, knowing that all are welcome at God's table.